We welcome your ears. We welcome your ears. We welcome your ears. I have to relate to them. I have right. to understand where they're coming from. So I have to include their point of view. It's an incredible learning experience and humbling to have to do that in order to help them flourish. And while you're helping them flourish, though, they're also helping you flourish. Oh, completely. I'm learning tons about myself, right. and I'm getting opportunities to work on my character. You're listening to The Sill Podcast with Peter Noche and Harry Posner. Episode 145, PH Factor. What's the bottom line? Conclusion versus inclusion. Come on in, have a seat. Join the conversation. TSP number 145. Only 145? I thought we were close to 150. Well, that's pretty close. I'm impatient to get there. <laughs> 145 episodes, pat on the back. Well, yeah, I can feel that, Pat. Thank you. So 145 episodes in, and this one we're going to do a little bit of a pH factor chat. Mm. Convo, as the youngins like to call it. Conversation for your older folk. For the older fogies like us. And, well, the theme of this conversation has to do with the nature of thinking, in a way. How we think about the world, how we approach the world. And it seems to me... People on this planet are kind of divided into two types in mm. general. Mm. I know there's many types, but two general types. Those who tend toward wanting to find the conclusion of things. The start, the middle, the finish. Over. Done. Right. What's the bottom line? What's your conclusion? Come on. Get to the point. Time is money. Right? Right, right. And then there are those others who are more artistic, if you like, who tend to feel that they need to wander a little bit, circle around the point, include other elements mm -hmm. that could be in the environment that may not seem to be relevant, but if you draw them in enough together, they may juxtapose and there may be a relationship. And so that's kind of inclusionary thinking. So I kind of have separated the world into conclusionists and inclusionists. Mm -hmm. And so I thought maybe we could have a little chat about how that's playing out in the world in terms of our personal relationships, in terms of how we approached COVID, how yep, we continue yep. to approach it. And tie it in right to our title, which is what's the bottom line? What's the bottom line? Right. So the idea is that there are people who have to see the end of something. Right. Or they can't go along with it. What's the bottom line? When does this come to an end? There are people, for example, with COVID. Mm -hmm. Billions of people are waiting for the quote-unquote end of this virus. Yep. End of it. And in people's mind, end of it means there's no more virus around. Which right? to me is unrealistic. Yeah, it is unrealistic. I'm not an expert in the area. I'm going based on the scope and scale in terms of hitting every country in the world and the number of people infected and dying and so on, purely logistically, I'm imagining that it's not realistic. I don't know unequivocally that it can't come to a complete end. It just seems, based on what's been happening so far, the complete eradication of it doesn't seem plausible. 
Right. At this point. And yet, the really, the angling that governments have taken on this has been that angle, really. Yes. Ultimately, they're saying, hang in, folks. I know it's uncomfortable being locked down. I know your businesses are being destroyed. I know you're having serious mental health issues. I know that people are killing each other out there. Right. But hang in, folks, because it will be close. Mm-hmm. The vaccine is here, and now hopefully herd immunity will happen, and then mm-hmm. gradually we'll release the restrictions, and, and everybody will get back to being their normal self. Mm -hmm. And yet there's a part of us who knows that's not going to happen because there's no end to it in a way that they're talking about. Right. My approach to this is to look at it from the inclusionary part. So what would you include in your thinking about COVID that they're not really including much now? Dealing with the reality of nature and how things actually happen and the fact that it kind of functions on its own, irrespective of what we feel about it. Mm-hmm, right. Mm-hmm. I don't see this as something to war against. It's something that's happening. And personally, I would rather deal with it from an inclusionary aspect in the sense that work with it rather than try to eradicate it. So if I have to work with it by just having to work with something to cooperate with something means I have to be more inclusionary. So how would you cooperate with a virus? Well, it's not about cooperating with the virus. It's about understanding what it does and the reality of what it's actually doing and who it's hurting. So it's a more targeted approach, I would suggest. For example, in an inclusionary perspective, I would gather the data from scientists and from people who know a lot more about it than I do. And then assuming everybody was being upfront and honest about it, I would be able to determine that realistically, the relative number of fatalities relative to the bigger picture is fairly small, even though significant, because you can't put a value even on a single life. Mm-hmm. However, if I come from the approach of how do I deal with this in a more efficient way, as opposed to I can't do anything until I completely eradicate it, it gives me a whole different approach to handling it. It's not about waiting for anything. It's about living with it and dealing with it as it is, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which by its very nature has to be more inclusionary because the other way is a straight A to B. In other words, we don't do anything until everyone is vaccinated right? and are free to do this, 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 and this, even though the reality of that coming to fruition anytime soon is very, very minimal. That's right. It is low. So do you persist in that approach or do you go to the approach of let's gather all the data, let's see if we can differentiate a few things. Yes, apply the hard line where it's more required, but perhaps lighten the line where it's not as necessary so that you don't completely halt everything. You just make adjustments. And we, as a people, are told the truth and we accept the reality of it rather than some magic pill that will simply here take it and poof, everything goes away. Yeah, yeah. Right from the beginning, what the conclusionary governments did... Mm. I'm going to put them in the conclusionary camp because what a conclusionary mind does Mm. is that it leaves out what is considered extraneous details and targets, focuses strictly on the target at hand, Mm -hmm. which in this case is reducing the transmissibility of the virus and as a result, destroying it ultimately. Well, it's a very military-like approach. Very military. What they could have done And what they can still do, but they're still not doing much of it, is they could have said, 
This thing attacks the immune system. The immune system is the key here, folks. Right. How is your immune system doing? Have you checked lately? Mm. What can you do to improve and, and bolster your immune system in case you do get this virus that we know is fairly transmissible? Mm -hmm. Well, it is known through research that vitamin D, for example, quite natural and easy to get and cheap, is a good, strong antiviral. Mm -hmm. And upwards of 50% improvement in terms of viral protection for those who do take a lot of vitamin D or live in countries where there's a lot of sunshine, so they get a lot of vitamin D. They could have emphasized that right. side of it, plus diet, plus exercise. Mm -hmm. None of that happened early on. Right. And before we go on, I do want to make this point, though, yeah. on this topic, that neither one of us pretend to be experts on it. And... What we're talking about here is ideas or inclusionary ideas, thoughts, we think should have been at least included in the calculations. Yeah, very early on. I told you in one of our earlier podcasts, we can maybe note that we did a, a trio of podcasts yes, did, yeah. over three days, which were put together into one mm -hmm. early on, I guess in March or April, I forget which. Yep. TSP 122. And one of the ideas I broached was the idea that this virus was a living entity like any other living entity on the planet, whether it's a tree, a forest, animals, what have you, and that we need to find a relationship with it, mutual and respectful relationship with it that was counter to this military approach that mm -hmm. you mentioned just now. And people went, oh, no, 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 no. It's a piece of RNA. It's a piece of information. It's not a being. It's not a living entity. But I don't care, frankly, what you want to call it. Right. We can still have a relationship with that thing, whatever it is, yep. because it's alive in the sense that it's active in mm -hmm. the community, in us. So we have to have a relationship with it in one form or another, just the way we have a relationship with the flu right. every year. Yeah. Right? We don't try to eradicate the flu completely. We know it's around, yep. and we may get it. Like the weather elements, it's going to rain, it's going to snow, the sun is going to shine. There's exactly. A, there's an acceptance yeah. That these are things that occur and transform and acknowledging, first and foremost, that this is not an enemy to be destroyed. Yeah. No, what's happened is on the conspiracy side of things, people have come to a conclusion. That's how conspiracy theory kind of gets hatched. People draw together some of these ideas, Bill Gates doing this talk and that and vaccines and da, 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 And pretty soon you have a gathering of ideas that becomes a conclusion, right. which is that there's a conspiracy to reset the global economy, mm -hmm. yada, 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 yada. Again, very narrowly focused. Right. Take some ideas, throw it together, and then focus on a conclusion, which is that there are a few people out there who are looking to control the world's population. Mm -hmm. Right? Serious accusation, serious conclusion. However, if you are being inclusionary, yeah. I contend that you should include that in the discussion. Yeah, so you would add that to the pot, only it would not just be that. Yes, yes, exactly. And, and there's something else I want to add to that while okay. we're talking about this, which is my own feeling about so-called experts. Mm -hmm. So there are experts or people who are more knowledgeable or more versed in medicine, science, whatever it is that you're talking about. However, the assumption that certain people or certain individuals, when they offer their thoughts or opinions, that are not necessarily what they're expert in, mm -hmm. but because we revere them for some other thing. An actor, for example, an actor who we really revere, who really has little or no scientific background, yeah. comes out with an opinion. Mm -hmm. And because it's so-and-so that said it, yeah. then it must be true. 
And so people come to conclusions very yes. quickly yes. about people who have an alternative view, for example, right. of the mainstream messaging. And that's part of the inclusion. In other words, do not pick one specific thing or the other. It's no different than what we're talking about in politics. And we've had this discussion many times, even with, i.e., liberal, conservative, Republican, Democrat. Yeah. It's not good to exclude either. Yeah, and a lot of friendships are being kind of broken because mm -hmm. one or other of the two parties is not including the possibility that the other person is genuinely thinking about this and has ideas right. that they want to express. And you can't allow these ideas because they're quote unquote dangerous or potentially have misinformation in them. So mm -hmm. friendships are being broken apart because people aren't including each other's and respectfully including each other's thoughts mm -hmm. in the discussion. They're trying to exclude that mm -hmm. person from the mainstream narrative right. and in spousal relationships, in the homes. Same thing is happening with husbands and wives, for example, spouses, mm -hmm. where there are people with differing viewpoints and they cannot include each other in the discussion. I've had that experience too, directly. One of the things I find most frustrating along those points that you're making right now is that we often make assumptions that because we perceive individuals with a certain way of being, including their dress code, their manner, whatever, that we don't treat each situation individually, right? right. Which again mm -hmm. goes to the inclusion part versus conclusion, yeah. which says, I already know you're such and such and such. Therefore, before you even get to word three, yeah. I've already made my estimation and calculation. It's not valid. Right. As opposed to going, he or she may have said all this all this time, even for years. However, it might be worth waiting a minute or two and let them finish their thought. Right. Yeah. And so you're basically excluding the other's thoughts because you're already jumping ahead inside mm -hmm. your own head with your own rebuttal. You're not really hearing what they're saying at all. You're only hearing a little part of it and then reactively responding to it. This is happening everywhere right now. Are you a conclusionist or an inclusionist? Well, I'm an inclusionist, of course. Well, isn't that a conclusion? What is? You see yourself as an inclusionist. That's a conclusion, isn't it? Not really, because I'm willing to include the idea that I could change into something else given the right circumstances. Well then, given the right circumstances, as you say, you would then have to conclude that you are now a different inclusionist than you were before. That's a conclusion. Only if you include the idea that that would be the end of my changes. Exactly. So you are excluding the idea that that would be the end of your changes. That's conclusionary thinking. You've concluded that you would keep on changing as circumstances dictated. Ah, but even that conclusion is subject to change if I include the possibility that one of those changes included becoming a conclusionist. In which case, I would include you in the circle of my conclusionist friends. What a lovely thought. And one that I can certainly include. Going back to COVID again, mm. we had this little conversation before we started this podcast where you had a little bit of honey that you said you got locally. Right. And I asked, well, where? About an hour and a half drive from here. Right. And you said, so I guess it's not local. And I said, well, it could be local to me 
because my idea of local is maybe broader in some right, ways. Right. So, for example, with COVID then, there are people who are looking at the consequences of the restrictions and lockdowns from a local point of view. Oh, business is being lost and that's terrible and people are suffering in many ways, but it's worth it because we're saving lives. But those same people are not including mm-hmm. the rest of the world into this equation. And the fact is that there are millions of people out there in the third world who are suffering terribly, facing it to starvation and death because of the breaking of the supply chains, the food supply chains, because of these lockdowns. But are they being included in the discussions of the local politicians or the provincial politicians? We never hear them talking about that. They're not including those facts that are happening in the world, those realities, Mm -hmm. right, that are a direct result of their decisions to lock down the local population. Mm -hmm. Which is a fundamental thing that we're struggling with on many levels, national even versus global. I mean, you could refer to the national Mm -hmm. as local and the global as the bigger picture. It's not even just about a small town. We're talking about individual governments, which can encompass millions of square miles, Canada, Mm -hmm. Russia, whatever. So yes, definitely the delineation or where we draw our lines in terms of what is considered immediate and what is considered far. Yeah. Whether it's in a physical format Mm -hmm. or in a mental perceived format. Yeah. So mentally, we need to include everyone on the planet. After all, people are saying, well, until the entire globe is clear of COVID, no one country is safe. Mm -hmm. So that's not a local way of thinking. That's a global way of thinking. But it's only about fighting the virus. You have to also include the globe in the repercussions of how we're fighting this virus. And that's what's missing. And that's what a lot of the people who are dissenters, and I'm one of them, I'm going to admit it, one of the dissenters against lockdowns, that they're causing more harm than good, because I'm including those realities in this thought form. And I'm saying, folks, Folks, you have to look beyond your local town or your province or your country. You have to include the world. We're all in this together, as people like to say, and all of us includes the globe. Right. So where I sit on all this, for me, it's always about how do you find the so-called happy medium? The objective should be, again, just my opinion, that you take the extremes and bring them in a little bit towards center. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, for example, you're an admitted dissenter. Yeah. Against lockdowns in general. Yeah. But even yourself, there are situations that if I converse with you, you will acknowledge that there are situations or places, times and so on, where you would consider it viable and necessary. Yeah. For example, lockdowns can be efficacious early on in an infection sequence right. in a country. If there's only a few cases, like in New Zealand, the you know, three cases they lock down, that can work. Mm-hmm. But when it's prevalent in the community, lockdowns are much more problematic, have never really been tried in the way they've been tried. Right. And so there are issues with that. Right. Again, the importance though is what I'm getting to is our ability to be inclusive also decreases the tensions and the emotions that rise out of situations where we're not able to hear everyone's input. 
Yeah, of course. That's true. And the other thing that happens with inclusionary thinking is it allows the opportunity for creative thinking as well. Yes. Okay? If you're conclusive in your thinking, you're leaving out extraneous details that when brought in could create a kind of creative surprise mm-hmm. or singularity where you go, oh, we can put those things together. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. And we can actually not fight the virus, but understand it better. Yeah. For example. Uh, don't dismiss possibilities is what you're talking about. Right, exactly. So an example is hydrochloroquine. This is a very interesting, controversial example. Yes. That when people came out with saying, when doctors said, I've been prescribing this to my COVID patients and they're getting better very quickly. Look at Africa, where they take hydrochloroquine routinely for malaria and how low the numbers of COVID cases are in Africa, for Mm -hmm. example. Mm -hmm. And so what happened was they did studies And the main study they did provided way too high a dose of hydrochloroquine to their populations. Mm -hmm. And it found it to be no effect or harmful Mm -hmm. when they actually were like four times the dose. They gave them four times the dose that was recommended Mm -hmm. by health authorities. And suddenly hydrochloroquine was taken off the market Mm -hmm. completely. A cheap and efficacious drug that could be helpful was completely excluded from the mix. Yeah. Are you comparing similar situations. If we can have that conversation. I just want to move this a little bit out of COVID for a second, because I think this is an elemental question, even in our basic day-to-day living in family life. Yeah. And I'm talking specifically about parents and children, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. where the leaders of tomorrow are being groomed, so to speak. Mm -hmm. So if you have a conclusionary type approach to raising children versus an inclusive style, You have two very different environments in the home, and you have two very different developmental things happening. Yeah. Can you give an example? So, for example, asking for a child's input or allowing them to express Mm. whatever Mm -hmm. it is that they want to express, Uh whether you agree with it or not. Right. To at least be able to listen to it, acknowledge it. You're creating a very different environment from saying, I know what's best. Yeah. This is what it is, and that's it. Right. I honestly believe that it's directly related to a lot of the things that ail us socially, including the dealings of COVID and the rest of it, because Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. our leaders were once children. Yeah. And they're essentially adult mimickers of what they were taught Mm -hmm, and a a way of thinking. Mm -hmm. And then you add to that the system that we've created, which is primarily economic, especially in Western society. We are very economically focused. Yeah. Not that you shouldn't be because it's a reality, but are we considering other possibilities even there? And we've talked about UBI as one example or Mm. other forms of moving money around or refocusing long term versus short term. All these things Mm. are culminating under this title of COVID. COVID to me is the great exposure. Mm -hmm. Inclusion and conclusion These discussions are being had on a much wider scale than they were pre-COVID. Oh, yeah. There's some very positive developments because Mm -hmm. of that, too. The bottom line, though, is that our rational way of thinking, how we are raised, our conceptual way of thinking, has led to governments basically creating a bubble economy, if you like, Mm -hmm. where in order to fight the virus, quote unquote, military again, they create what's called bubbles. So you have the individual as a bubble, stay home, mask up, 
Keep your distance, mm-hmm. right? Your family's a bubble. Don't have friends over. Don't have family. Don't visit family. Your community is a bubble. Don't assemble in numbers in the community. Your province is a bubble. Your Canada's a bubble. The world is a bubble. So we're bubbleizing the globe in the aid of fighting this virus. And we can't live in a bubble. We are not bubblers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We can't live in a bubble. Right. And yet we're not being shown a way out of our bubbles, at this point. So inclusionary thinking would be, how do we relate all these bubbles together, intersect them more and more and more so that the whole thing becomes one giant globe again, one giant bubble, Mm -hmm. rather than zillions of tiny bubbles. Again, it's just a way of thinking about, and I even had this thought of, what if we could map out all of the individual bubbles on a giant global map? Would there be some sort of fractal imagery show itself? Would there be patterns show itself that Mm -hmm. we could learn from? I know it's an outrageous thought, in some ways stupid, but that's okay. The thing is, inclusionary thinking allows for outlandish thoughts, outlandish ideas and images. Mm -hmm. When people put together marketing campaigns, Madison Avenue, they're workshopping all kinds of outrageous ideas. Nothing is excluded. Exactly. And eventually you can filter out stuff which just doesn't make sense ultimately. But you're going to find the jewel, the gem in there often, the creative idea, Mm -hmm. when you allow yourself to be open to it, Mm -hmm. open to inclusion. So as a writer, I have to be open to inclusion. Otherwise, I couldn't write my novels. Right. The novels include ideas that I normally don't think about. And they may come from sources that you didn't even anticipate. Well, sure, exactly. And often they do. Right. So if we bring it back to day-to-day living, we adopt a certain mentality which is inherently restrictive. Censorship. Yeah. Inclusion to me means education. So I educate you to something. Mm -hmm. We both are more informed. Yeah. Now it's easier to come to a decision, Mm -hmm. but more importantly, the process of doing that, we've gained more respect for one another. Yeah. Which makes it ultimately easier to collaborate, Mm -hmm. to work together and achieve something that is mutually viable. Even if it doesn't meet the requirements of each 100%, there's at least a cooperative effort that comes from that entire process. Yeah, and sometimes that is achievable and that is achieved through challenging yourself. Yes. So, for example, in my case, my wife and I have just acquired two horses, Mm -hmm. which has been a lifelong dream of hers, of my wife's. Right. And they're on our property. And I have never encountered horses up close before. And so the challenges of learning how another being, an animal, like a horse, which is a magnificent spirit and has its own way of approaching the world, the challenge of that means that I have to include now a whole other way of being, a way of thinking about nature and beings close to me, namely these horses. I have to include them in my life now. Right? You have to if you want to make it relatable. I have to relate to them. I have to understand where they're coming from. So I have to include their point of view. It's an incredible learning experience and humbling to have to do that in order to help them flourish. And while you're helping them flourish, though, they're also helping you flourish. 
Oh, completely. I'm learning tons about myself right. and I'm getting opportunities to work on my character and how I respond and my reactivity and my emotional life and how I relate to my wife too, because we Absolutely. have to work together in order to keep these horses happy and healthy. So that changes that relationship too. Mm. So by including these animals in our lives, we've changed our whole demeanor. People talk about life as a story. Yeah, we are full of stories. And we think those stories have beginnings, middles, and endings. Yes. Life, like birth, life, death. But when you look at the endings, you realize they're not endings at all. They're never endings fully. They're always a transition to something new, another story, a new story. Right. There's no conclusion. There's no conclusion. What's your conclusion? I have none. It's anymore. a constant transformation. Constantly. New questions come up, new storylines come up and emerge. Right, know. which I tie right back to this whole COVID situation, which was part of the discussion we had initially. Yeah. Even now, what we're confronting right now with this whole discussion of variants. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Right? Variants, yeah. Virus variants. Again, scientifically, I'm not an expert in the area. I just know what I read, what I hear, and know the logistics of it. But again, it's that ability to adapt. Yeah. We need to adapt. We need as well. to adapt too. Yeah. It would make sense. Yeah. But our approach is to constantly go to the destroy. Yeah. Instead of uh, putting on our army boots, we could put on our dancing shoes and dance with the virus. I know that sounds like a mamby pamby thing to say. There's our topic for the next but podcast dancing, dancing with, with the, the virus. virus. You know, why yeah. not? Really? If yeah. we're going to have a relationship, let's dance with that. Kind of a metaphor, isn't it? It is a metaphor, yeah, of course. Yeah. Life is a dance with everything we experience. Yes. So let's include that as well in the dance on the dance floor and see where we can take it. Where can the relationship go that makes sense for everyone? Because it has to be a win-win. Mm -hmm. You cannot exclude the natural world from human life. So no I, conclusions. I agree with you, but there will be people who will argue that. That's okay, because conclusionary thinkers are dinosaurs anyway, <laughs> in my view. No, that's not inclusionary, Harry. No, because look, yeah, look, at the world is changing rapidly as we speak. Right. Information technology has sped up the world to such a degree that there's so much information available so quickly mm -hmm. that there's no way you can hold one conclusion for long if you're honest with yourself. It's true. Because there's so much information coming in that impinges upon those conclusions and can change them and shift them. Right. Unless you're open to that, you are a dinosaur. If you hold fast to only one idea about life or particular situations, you are a dinosaur, essentially. You get left behind. You're yesterday's man. Yes. So I think those people out there, sorry, folks, but you're yesterday's man if you're a conclusionist. That's so it. really this whole conclusion and inclusion idea really is kind of the theme of our entire social, political, economic reality. Totally. Because even the ability to shift the workforce to adapt to new technologies. We really have to be a lot more flexible mm -hmm, in our mm -hmm. thinking, yeah. generally, yeah. in order to deal with these things. But oddly enough, we seem to still try to pick spots where we don't apply that logic. Mm -hmm. We use old systems yeah. and old ways of doing things yeah. to the newer things that we're confronting. Well, institutional realities, institutions become rigid over time. Right. Ideologies become encrusted with old ideas that don't work anymore mm -hmm. all the time. Religion keeps putting forth 
ancient and old texts and old ideas and wants people to keep looking backwards, memorializing reality all the time. We have to get beyond our history which is a conclusionary kind of attitude. Yes. If it happened yesterday, it's going to happen tomorrow. Right. That's not necessarily true anymore. The history has changed. The time is different now. Everything has changed on this planet. It's extraordinary. We're living in extraordinary times in terms of the psychology of human consciousness. The shift. The shift is really present. I can feel it. Yeah, a new paradigm, as they say. Yeah. So there you go, folks. Conclusion, inclusion, where do you stand? Send us your comments. Yes. We not only appreciate your comments, we look forward to them. Yeah. And if you have the opportunity to go to thesillpodcast.com, there's a little button right on the front page. You can immediately record. You don't even have to write anything. But if you want to use the standard fare, you can go to our contact page, send us an email or drop us a line. We'd be happy to hear from you. Mm -hmm. And whatever you conclude, we'll listen to it. Absolutely. Conclusion, Harry? Conclusion, Peter. Ciao. Ciao. The Sill Podcast is a Connecting Dots Media production. Available at thesillpodcast.com. Thank you for your donation to The Sill Podcast.